Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamachko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, we welcome special guest, Hodes Weil, managing partner and co-founder, Doug Weil. Hodes Weil is a leading global capital advisory firm focused on the real estate and real assets investment and funds management industry. On the show, we discuss how real estate plays a role in investment portfolios, which segments of the real estate market are most favorable and which investors should avoid, the biggest risk facing real estate investors currently, his real estate top pick, and more. So with no further ado, here's our show on institutional real estate investing with Hodis Weil founder Doug Weil. Excited to have the managing partner and founder of Hodis Weil, Doug Weil. Thank you for coming on the show today to chat about real estate. How are you doing? Good, and thank you for having me. Yeah, all the way from beautiful New York City. I was there last month. Uh, always an amazing city and certainly one of the global epicenters for the real estate business. And I'm, I've always been fascinated with real estate. They do call it the world's largest asset class. It may be the world's oldest investable asset class. It seems like a toss-up between that and precious metals. I don't really know what came along first, but certainly could be measured in probably the hundreds or thousands of years. In any event, Doug, prior to getting into the thick of it with respect to real estate investing, can you touch on your background and ultimately what got you into the real estate business? Sure, happy to. Um, and I agree, by the way, I think it is probably the oldest asset allocation asset class. Um, I studied hotel administration at uh, Cornell University and um, originally went to the university with an eye towards going into the restaurant business. But um, while studying, I had my eyes opened to uh, really to the financial side of the industry. Uh, when I graduated, I went into uh, valuations and advisory work, did that for about four or five years, um, and uh, then moved into investment banking where I was covering the real estate sector. And then that led me to the alternative side of the industry, um, and then ultimately you know, founding the business that I co-manage uh, today, uh, which we founded in 2009. That's great. And both Mike and myself both started out in the investment banking business as well. So some commonalities there. Now, with respect to what attracted you to real estate as an asset class, what do you find most interesting or appealing about the segment? Well, I think it's uh, a very entrepreneurial asset class. Uh, it is also very transactional, uh, assets being built, financed, sold, um, and there are periods of growth and periods of, uh, of volatility uh, requiring restructuring. So it, it's an industry that um, you know generates a lot of activity, which I find fascinating. It's also a very local business. So You've got multiple sectors, and then you've got um, different geographies and different cities, 
and uh, and then even different blocks. So it's a very granular strategy. So um, and then finally, I would say I think the the um, uh, investors that are really experienced can add uh, demonstrable alpha to their investing, and I think that's also really interesting as well. And it seems like it's such a massive asset class that even within a close geographic area like New York, I'm sure there's a you know specialization between uptown and downtown and Brooklyn and Queens and you know all these different you know you can slice and dice the market seemingly to micro focus on different segments and and really super focus that it seems you can't really do that in other asset classes. Now, with respect to institutional investors, which are huge into real estate investing, how does it play a role in the portfolios of pensions and endowments and these uh, large institutional multi-billion dollar investors? Sure. I mean, it's a good question. Um, I, I will reference a research report that we do in partnership with Cornell University. And one of the key takeaways is that institutions on average today have 10 to 11% of their portfolio allocated to real estate. Um, so it is a, um, an important allocation, a pretty large allocation for institutions and a growing allocation. And for institutions, real estate serves a number of different purposes. Uh, but I would say the primary uh, benefit of investing in real estate is it's a, it's a yield-based um, asset class, so it generates cash flow. So typically anywhere from 25 to 50 or even 75% of the return can come from cash flow and dividends. And um, for institutions that have liabilities to match, uh, they want to keep capital invested, but they also need cash flow. Um, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a great uh, investment allocation. It's also reasonably predictive, uh, predictable, uh, especially for assets that have longer leases. Uh, which is good. So it, um, in, it you know, generally has lower volatility as a result. Um, and it's also a, um, um, a, an asset strategy that has low correlation to other allocations, in particular public equities. So um, those, are, so those are some of the primary reasons. Uh, again, it, it is a, it's a large and growing allocation for most institutions. Now drilling down into those allocations, there are various segments, whether it be office, residential, industrial, with different you know, positive and negative macro drivers. And there's really niche segments, whether they be medical office properties or data centers and things of that nature. How do institutions approach allocating across these various segments of this very large asset class? How do they approach that? Well, they, they look at it from a couple of different uh, angles, if you will. Uh, first, there's uh, the risk and return. So um, real estate tends to get bucketed into high return strategies or opportunistic kind of mid-return at value add down to core. Core generally is a high single-digit return and opportunistic can be up to 20%. So for many institutions, they first need to determine, you know, What's the ultimate return they're looking to generate out of their real estate portfolio? And then what's the best way to achieve that return? 
Uh, they also need to determine whether they are going to take a global view or just invest in their own country and whether currency comes into play. And within that, um, they tend to um, uh, most often or a, a significant portion of their allocation will go to diversified strategies unless they're a direct investor themselves. So they may give their money to a firm like Blackstone that will invest across sectors and they'll make the decision when it's the right time to do more in industrial and less in office. And then tactically, they may add to that in their portfolio and decide they're under allocated to a certain sector and they may look to invest with a sector specialist, say that does uh, you know, multifamily apartment rentals um, and that's more tactical in nature. It does depend a lot on the size of the institution and also their resources. You know, the larger institutions, the large pensions and sovereign wealth funds and insurance companies have dedicated teams, so they're able to be a lot more tactical with their portfolios, whereas smaller pensions um, and, and some endowments maybe um, you know, they just might want to have an allocation of real estate, but they don't. They're not going to actively manage it. They're going to, they're going to invest that mat, that capital with a with a manager that will then make the decision as to where and how to invest that capital. Now, as this is an actively managed strategy, uh, more often than not, requires a bit of reading of the tea leaves, so to speak. Now, with that. Which segments of the market are you bullish on and which would have a negative outlook that you're steering investors away from? Well, I'll start with the, the asset strategies that um, are a bit more problematic today, to say the least. I, I, I'd start with Office uh, for, you know, for obvious reasons that are in the headlines. Office uh, as a sector is having uh, significant stress. There are um, changes that um, are not cyclical, but are, uh, you know, here, here to stay. And, and uh, those include really two things. One is the work from home um, uh, phenomenon that we're seeing, which seems like it's sticking, is changing the way corporates, uh, uh, their, what, what, their, what their office needs are. And then the other component is that um, buildings that are obsolete and are not of modern grade, either they haven't been built recently or they just are 40-year-old, 50, 60, 100-year-old buildings, uh, they, they've really um, fallen in terms of their ability to lease. So office is really going through a change that um, is resulting in a, a real lack of liquidity and, and interest in particular from institutions. The other problem um, sector is uh, is retail, not all retail, but some retail, uh, particularly in the United States, uh, where we're, we've, we've been over retail, particularly in closed malls. Also, the, the way people you know buy goods has changed the whole experience. Uh, within retail, there are some interesting strategies and, and very durable strategies like uh, grocery anchor shopping centers, where there is actually some strength. The sectors that have really favorable fundamentals and tailwinds, if you will, include strategies that uh, um, within industrial uh, warehousing, um, and that could be first mile to last mile. Uh, there, there continues to be you know really strong demand from corporates 
that's driving uh, occupancies and rents. And, um, and it appears like we'll see continued momentum in the asset class. Um, also, uh, some strategies within residential, uh, particularly with higher interest rates, it's more costly to own a home. Um, and so it's pushing more people into the rental pool. So rental uh, apartments as well as single family homes for rent are, um, are sectors that are seeing some favorable fundamentals. And then finally, you touched on it before, data centers. Data centers have you know, really strong tailwinds uh, driven by the you know, in, increasing production of data, uh, including with the, um, the, uh, the uh, acceleration of AI, that's just creating so much demand uh, for data centers. So uh, developing data centers and then buying and holding data centers is really a, a strategy that is, is very much in favor today. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, Canada's leading provider of alternative investment solutions. They say that diversification is the only free lunch in investing. Traditional investment portfolios with just two assets, stocks and bonds, aren't sufficiently diversified for many investors. For investors looking to diversify their portfolios beyond just two assets, the Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF is the first multi-strategy alternative ETF providing instant diversification with exposure to six alternative asset classes in a low-cost ETF. Diversify your investment portfolio in an instant with the Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, trading under the symbol 1CONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out how to diversify your portfolio now at accelerateshares.com. One of the areas that you just mentioned was residential and, and some of the impact on, on interest rates in, in that segment. I guess across the board, how, how much of an impact has, has rising rates had on real estate values um, and, and how are allocations being affected by, by this macro environment? Right. Well, as a yield-based asset class that is generally valued on a, on a, on a yield or capitalization rate, uh, the, the industry, um, real estate as a whole, has been affected by the, both the increase in yields and the volatility in yields. Um, compounding that is that real estate tends to be a, lever, a leveraged asset class. So for many owners of real estate, they are putting leverage on the asset that could be 50 to as much as 70% of the value, the value or the purchase price of that asset or the cost to develop. So the ability to maintain debt at a favorable cost relative to the, the cap rate, if you will, has been a, a real challenge for the industry. And, um, and so uh, that's creating more volatility um, in pricing today. So in terms of pricing and you know, values, what goes into the returns for investors is the yield plus any capital appreciation or in a poor markets, depreciation. And with that, looking back on 2022, there's quite the dichotomy between public REIT returns, anywhere between negative 20 to 30%, a challenging environment, as you indicated. Increasing interest rates, increases yields, combined with leverage, is generally a recipe for declining equity values within real estate ownership. 
However, then on the private REIT side, you did see others reporting positive returns on that side. So it's a bit of a controversial topic, but what do you think is in store for these private REITs that are now facing you know, a bit of a redemption squeeze and, and somewhat of an unwinding of all of their uh, acquisitions over the past several years? Another great question, uh, the, the, uh, and it's a head-scratcher, uh, to tell you the truth. So the, the public REITs have really traded off and are trading at implied values that are suggesting that real estate values are down north of 20%, whereas private holdings, in particular, the, including the private REITs, um, have taken some markdowns or they're flat or in some cases up. And the truth is probably somewhere in between in terms of what the intrinsic or implied value of the real estate is. Um, I would say that, you know, it's often um, a hard comparison to make a public versus a private REIT because a public REIT trades daily, you know, minute to minute. And private REITs are generally based on valuations that tend to lag the market. It could be done monthly or quarterly, and they tend to have a slow reset both down and up. So they tend to lag the market. So generally, I think what's what's happening in both the private REITs and also some of the private open-end funds that are more institutional in nature is that valuations have come down at a very slow pace or they haven't come down yet. And so for many institutions and individuals, they're trying to redeem at yesterday's value because they have a sense that the value, values are going to start going down. In, um, in, in both retail and institutional products, we're starting to see the queues stabilize. And on the institutional side, you often see them reverse pretty quickly. Um, so the, the exit queue, for example, the redemption queue in institutional funds in the U.S. peaked out at close to 15% of NAV during the GFC. And then in a couple of quarters, it became an entry queue uh, of, of over 10%. That was really when valuations in those funds bottomed and were more representative of, of what the market thought values uh, really were. For retail, I think there's an, there has been an added uh, issue is that individual investors maybe needed liquidity, and so they ran for the exits. Um, but we're starting to see some indications that the redemptions are starting to slow down, um, and there are actually some inflows in some of these funds. So it, it does feel like they're kind of working through their redemption issues. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, Canada's leading provider of alternative investment solutions. Warren Buffett once said, give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day. Teach a man to arbitrage and you'll feed him forever. Now, investors can be like Buffett with the Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, a fixed income alternative with low duration and tax efficiency for investors seeking to diversify their fixed income portfolios beyond bonds. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, trading under the symbol ARB-ARB on the TSX, aims to generate consistent, low-volatility returns through SPAC and merger arbitrage. Find out why Warren Buffett loves arbitrage at AccelerateShares.com. That makes sense. And so I believe both Julian and I are, are, are big fans of, of Sam Zell, uh, the late Sam Zell, but are, are there any other fund managers or investors, and doesn't have to be limited to public or private, uh, that, that really stand out to you in terms of their, 
their own investment process and ability to generate what you'd call demonstrable alpha? I think there are. Um, there are individuals and there are also, uh, you know, large uh, money managers, capital managers. Uh, I mentioned Blackstone before as an example. Um, there are numerous firms uh, like Blackstone that have proven in, that they're able to invest through cycles to protect on the downside and even, or more importantly, uh, start to play offense in a downturn. And so I think for many investors, you know, um, there's an opportunity to invest with experts that, that really have processes that have been developed over cycles and they really know, you know, not only what sector to pick, but what asset to pick and then how to drive value and when to take advantage of distress. So I think of firms like Blackstone um, and uh, Starwood and uh, Lone Star, you know, classic distress investor um, in, in the strategy. These are, these are some of the larger cap uh, managers, if you will. But we track over 2,000 uh, managers globally. These are, these, are, these are firms that manage capital on behalf of institutions. And, uh, and there's some really high quality, uh, there are some real high quality firms in kind of the middle market and boutique and smaller cap that um, have really generated tremendous returns over cycles. Um, so part of the challenge and the opportunity for an investor, whether you're an individual or an institution, is your manager selection, right? Really focusing on, you know, what's the right strategy for that moment in time and who's the right manager to execute that strategy. And those are two, you know, really important inputs uh, for, uh, for any investor in the market and particularly in a market like we're in right now where there is volatility and there's probably great opportunity over the next couple of years. And it's the same with any other asset class. Like if you want to allocate to equities, you can either pick stocks yourself, you can allocate to an active manager, or even go passively. Now with respect to real estate investing, same thing. You know, you can try to put together a portfolio on your own. I did the rental thing, uh, ownership and managing of a rent property, not for me. I prefer just to get it just through, uh, you know, retail ownership um, and management through someone else managing it. it. Really takes out the hassle. Now, with respect to uh, what you think, Doug, say individual investors think real estate is appealing. Would you recommend uh, how to approach to the market? Should they just do it, you know, passive re-TTF or active management, or even? go out there and, and start putting together a real estate portfolio on their own? I think it really depends on the individual and what their objectives are. I, I think the first and most important question is need for liquidity. If they're investing capital that they need to access in, in you know, five or within five or six, seven years, they're probably much better served to invest in liquid securities and in public REITs. Um, followed by some open-end funds, uh, whether they're uh, you know quarterly or, or daily NAV, um, which are liquid until they're not liquid, as we're seeing right now in the market. Um, but I would say, you know, real estate has been a tremendous wealth builder for individuals 
uh, not just the Sam Zells of the world. And so if you have capital that you're able to invest over a longer cycle or period of time, you know, 10 plus years, and you're willing to, uh, to uh, live with the illiquidity that you will have, real estate has proven to be a, a long-term wealth generator and also provides income. So it, it really depends on your, on your needs. Um, I think like institutions, many individuals are starting to think about real estate as an important allocation within their portfolios, whether that's 5, 10, or 15%, you know, some allocation to real estate for the same reasons an institution wants to have capital allocated to real estate. Yeah, I get the sense that most individuals probably don't even really think about their real estate ownership in terms of asset allocation because most homeowners, that's their largest asset uh, in terms of their net worth. And so it seems like real estate is probably the most owned asset just through one's primary residence. Now, with that said, Doug, prior to letting you go here, I wanted to put you on the spot in terms of uh, a forecast. So say you were to invest in one real estate asset or one segment of the market to hold over the next five years, which would it be? I touched on this before. I think data centers. Um, I think it's a highly specialized asset class. Um, the tailwinds and market fundamentals are really strong. Um, the uh, large um, cloud providers, whether it's an AWS or Microsoft, um, can't keep up with their space needs. So occupancies are very, very high. Rents are climbing, and um, and accessing data centers, which you could do a, you know as an individual through public REITs or or privately through dedicated funds, I think is a is a fantastic strategy. Uh, these projects are big. Um, we're talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of equity per project. So uh, unless you've got that, that net worth, um, you know, you're probably going to go into a vehicle where you're commingled with other investors, which is fine. Uh, but I think the, uh, there's an ability to invest, you know, in these assets and, um, and really benefit from long-term income and capital appreciation. In the data center call, it really capitalizes on the growth of two key themes that we're seeing in the stock market, cloud computing and artificial intelligence. Those are data center heavy with all the storage and processing power needed. So I agree with that pick. Thanks so much, Doug, for coming on the show today, really giving us a primer on real estate investing. We, ex we appreciate all your expertise in sharing that with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take care. Thanks, Doug. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast 
podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.